Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. Today is Friday, January the 4th, 2019, and we are reading from the big book on page XXVII, starting with the third line, the doctor writes, through six paragraphs ending with alcoholics back from the gates of death, and commenting on all six paragraphs. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Lori E, 12 Traditions, Anita L, and readers of the text, Becca R, Barbara E, and Deb W. The reference numbers for yesterday, Thursday, January the 3rd, the 7 a.m. meeting, 12377, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 12379. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lori E. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Lori E., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Iowa. The 12 steps. Number one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact through God, with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me serve and I pass Thank you, Lori E. 
and Anita L. will read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, seven every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We are on page XXVII, the third line, the doctor writes, reading through six paragraphs ending with alcoholics back from the gates of death and commenting on all. And Becca R., could you read for us, please? Yes, thank you. This is Becca R., recovered in Kentucky. 
The subject presented in this book seems to be of paramount importance to those afflicted with alcohol addiction. I say this after many years' experience as medical director of one of the oldest hospitals in the country treating alcohol and drug addiction. There was, therefore, a sense of real satisfaction when I was asked to contribute a few words on a subject which, covered in, which is covered in such masterly detail in these pages. We doctors have realized for a long time that some form of moral psychology was of urgent importance to alcoholics, but its application presented difficulty beyond our conception. With what are ultra-modern standards, our scientific approach to everything, we are perhaps not well equipped to apply the pro powers of good that lie outside our synthetic knowledge. Many years ago, one of the leading contributors to this book came under our care in this hospital, and while here, he acquired some ideas, which he put into practical application at once. Later, he requested the privilege of being allowed to tell his story to other patients here, and with some misgiving, we consented. The cases we have, found, we have followed through <clears throat> have been most interesting. In fact, many of them are amazing. The unselfishness of these men, as we have come to know them, the entire absence of profit motive, and their community spirit is indeed inspiring to one who has labored long and wearily in this alcoholic field. They believe in themselves and still more in the power which pulls chronic alcoholics back from the gates of death. Wow, um, this is a great, uh, a great reminder to me. There's so much in these um, paragraphs. I guess what um, sticks out to me is in the second paragraph where, um, I mean, it's telling me what I hear in this in this literature is that, you know, we've got the best of the best doctors, you know, the, the gurus of alcoholism, and we haven't been able to find a solution. But they're willing to stand behind what Bill W. writes. Um, and they talk about uh, how they have long, a long time realized that they, there was some kind of moral psychology um, that was needed in this. And just in the very first sentence, the subject presented in this book, for so long, I thought that the subject presented in this book was how to stay sober. And maybe it is how to stay sober, but the subject, the, the very subject of this book is for me to learn how to get in touch with a power greater than myself. And in the readings, you know, we hear it as moral psychology, um, the, 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 the language is used throughout, but, but ultimately what I hear is I have to get in touch with a power greater than myself. That is the, the difference. Um, then the, the foreshadowing from the paragraph on XXVI that talks about our solution is on the spiritual as well as an altruistic plane. And then the last paragraph I read that talks about the unselfishness of these men as we've come to know them. You know, it's again referring to the altruism of the program, you know, to keep what I have, I have to freely give it away. Um, and it just reiterates at the end, you know, they believe in themselves and still more in the power which pulls chronic alcoholic sex from the gates of death. And I can um, recall not long ago, you know, being at the gates of death, 
with my eating disorder, with my food addiction, with my compulsive overeating. And um, it was a miracle. It is a miracle. And I'm here to to share with others that um, you don't have to live like that anymore. I found a solution, and the solution is the subject presented in this book. Thank you, and I'll pass with that. Thank you, Becca R. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Please say your name just once as it helps me hear everyone. Who would like to share on what we read? Tina S. Colin G. Linda D. Karenza B. Barbara Nancy e. P. Nancy P. Okay, let me tell you who I got because I know I did miss somebody. I believe I heard a Gina S, Harlan G, Linda D, and I think it was Karenza, Barbara E, and Nancy P. Did I miss anybody? Harry N. Okay, let's go with that list, please. Oh, it's Tina S. Okay, so I have Tina S, Harlan G, Linda D, Carenza, Barbara E, Nancy P, and Carrie N. Tina, could you start off for us, please? Thanks so much for your service, Tina S, Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Wow. So grateful to be on the line and grateful for uh, Dr. Silkworth and, and his letter, you know, to let us know and to let all know that uh, alcoholism is a deadly disease and it was uh, baffling early on and still is today without the solution given in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, I really believe and am so grateful that it gives me specific instructions and tells me in the last actually sentence what was read today by Becca was that, you know, lack of power is my dilemma. And this book gives me directions to find a power greater than myself, which will solve my problem, you know, and it tells me that still they believe in themselves and still more in the power, which pulls chronic alcoholics back from the gates of death. You know, and also in this paragraph, it talks about one alcoholic sharing his experience, strength, and hope with another so that they too can recover. You know, uh, I can sit home all I want and, and listen to this meeting on the line. It's a wonderful meeting. I get a lot, a lot of uh, great direction and great experience, strength, and hope. But if I don't go out into the world and share my experience, strength, and hope, which was also shared, you know, if I don't give freely, freely, then I won't keep what I have. You know, and I have a life today beyond my wildest dreams, and I only got that by coming here and listening to you and taking some suggestions and, and following direction and working the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, to believe that I, ha- I do have a disease I ha- and, and I do need a solution, and you got one, you know, and, and uh, there is a solution, steps 2 through 12. You know, I have a transformation, a spiritual awakening that comes about through the process, and you know, I'm just so grateful to be able to be part of this and uh, have a life, again, beyond my wildest dreams. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Harlan G., it's your turn, followed by Linda D. Thank you, Lynn, and thank you to Team Friday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I want to look at this paragraph that starts with we doctors. And before we look at it, 
I want to remind myself often that Dr. Silkworth was not a man of religion. He was not a man of spirituality in the sense that we are seeking that higher power. He was, he was a good man. I'm not, I'm not knocking him in any way. But when I look at this paragraph, I want to remember that the perspective that he's writing this from is one of medicine and science. And sometimes it helps me to change some of the words here in my mind. Here's what I do. We doctors have realized for a long time that some form of spiritual awakening was of urgent importance to alcoholics, but its application presented difficulties beyond medicine's conception. What with medicine's ultramodern standards, medicine's scientific approach to everything, medicine is perhaps not well equipped to apply the powers of God that lie outside our medical knowledge. What is he telling me in this paragraph? He is telling me in this paragraph that he has observed people like me. He knows exactly what's wrong with me. But as a man of medicine, he is unable to help me. He cannot help me. Nothing that is of this earth is going to help me. My relief must come from a higher power. And if my relief is not going to come from a higher power, it's going to come from a Kit Kat bar. Because the only two ways I have of alleviating the tense, searing pain of not eating is either eating or working the steps. There's no third choice. I have looked for that. I have looked for that third choice. I have worn my fingers to nubs trying to dig into the ground looking for that choice. There is no third choice. I am either going to eat or I am going to work the steps when the feeling of intense pain from not eating is upon me because food is not the problem. Food for me is the solution to the problem, and only a power greater than myself can provide that relief. And that's what he's talking about when he talks about the purpose of the book. The, purpose, the main object of this book is to help me find a power greater than myself, which will solve my problem. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Linda D., it's your turn, followed by Carenza. Hi, everybody. It's Linda D. from Connecticut. And I'm so grateful, so very grateful to hear what I just heard, which confirms what I'm living and I'm so grateful for. Um, I'm so grateful to be recovered. Five years now. I'm five years old. Hmm? Yeah, that's how old I am. I'm really going to be 75, but that's how old I am. Um, what jumps out at me today is um, the word addiction. It's a buzzword in this culture. It's kind of a pop word on the media. It's almost cool in some shows on TV or mostly TV, I think. Um, it's kind of a, a theme that's paying off. And... I remember being in an OA meeting years ago, and before the meeting, some women were talking, 
and uh, one said to the other one, this is really a country club addiction. I was so angry with that remark. It scared me so badly. I got up and walked out of that meeting, and I'm so glad I did, because the grace of God carried me to OA meetings, particularly uh, particularly um, Vision for You, in which line by line I was uh, assisted in uh, God was... I was assisted in being pulled back from the gates of death again and again and again and again. I'm so grateful to be here. This is the absolute truth. This is no country club addiction. This is death. I pass. Thank you, Linda D. Karenda, it's your turn, followed by Barbara E. And if we could have the initial of your last name, please. Yes, certainly. This is Karenza B. Um, And I am calling currently from New Hampshire, but uh, usually recovered in North Carolina. And this morning, um, thank you so much for all the shares. What really stuck out to me was um, what with our ultra-modern standards, our scientific approach to everything, we are perhaps not well-equipped to apply the powers of good. I just loved that, to hear the powers of good, because for me, I, I can go to Google, I can go to doctors, I can go to all these outside sources to try to figure out, why do I feel this way? But there's nothing that in my experience, up to the point of finding this program of recovery, could fill anything the way that power of good or that power of God or whatever you choose to call it has filled me up. And it it's really remarkable to know that once that power of good has kind of started to trickle into our insides and into every part of our lives, we don't want to live another way. And that's what I'm experiencing is now I want to read this book every day. I want to work these 12 steps because uh, unfortunately there was nothing in the world, including food, that could uh, fill that void in, in that way. So with that, I pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Corenza B. Barbara E., it's your turn, followed by Nancy P. Good morning, everyone. It's Barbara E. in New Jersey. This is such a good page and so many good shares. Words that jumped out to me this morning, paramount, meaning more important, at least to me, than anything else, masterful, skilled, or excellent, moral psychology, words I stumbled over at first, how I integrate my moral characteristics and development with myself, my family, and the world. Unselfishness, love of others, passing on what Bill learned and passing on what I've learned without desire of profit, no motive but to help others. I must be guided by integrity, tolerance, love in all my affairs. But I must be abstinent. 
because I came into the program because I was morbidly obese and doctors were telling me I was killing myself. I was over 200 pounds nine times before working every single program and they all worked, but I couldn't keep the weight off because I kept going back to the food and I couldn't stop once I started. I was angry, I was impatient, I was intolerant, I was thin-skinned and so ashamed and humiliated. I did not want to hear what the doctors, my friends, my mother had to say. Certainly my husband knew enough to say nothing. I had to stop killing myself, but I didn't have the tools. So I worked the steps, but first I worked the tools. I used you, my fellows. I made phone calls. I did writings. I spoke to my sponsor. I was honest. I got rid of all my red light foods and tried, just tried, to get rid of my red light behaviors. But to tell you the truth, when I started, I was full of resolutions, but never actions. And I learned that I had to take actions. It wasn't enough to go out in the rowboat and let someone else row for me. I had to row that boat. And I had to do it every single day, just like some of you talk about showering every single day. Whatever metaphor we use, I had to do it. I need the power of love in my life. I need whatever the source of my resentments, my victimhood, my fears, to let go of them and look at myself and what I can do and must do better as a person. I'm human, and I will fail over and over, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't stop trying. I think not. I take each day as it comes, praying that I'm doing what God wills me to do and trusting that everything is in his hands. I can't believe that I am saying these words. If you're new, struggling, coming back, time, please. don't give up on yourself. I'm just going to give up on the time. Thank you so much, I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Nancy P., it's your turn, followed by Carrie N. Hi, this is Nancy P. Um, Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Thank you for letting me share. I love this reading, um, especially the word masterly, because to me, um, these people are not apprentices. You know, I think when I think of masterly, I think of master stonemasons and master electricians and master artisans. You know, they're not apprentices. They're they've finally crafted their recovery, and as I have tried to do with my own. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, jumping down to the powers of good, that's where they start to soft sell God in the beginning. Um, but the best part about this for me was put into practical application at once. That means immediately. And that's really the beauty of this, <clears throat> excuse me, of this program is that we don't have to wait. I mean, when I was, you know, barely crawled out of the primordial ooze, like it says in the, in the um, 12 and 12, you know, breathless and naked, you know, begging my sponsor to help me, she told me to make two phone calls a day and among other things. And I decided that I was going to make two connections a day. So I made many more than two phone calls a day. And out of that was born the, what I needed the most, 
um, which was fellowship. I was alone and I was angry and I was jealous of those who were thin and I didn't understand what it was that I had been waiting for for almost 50 years. And, um, you know, today I can say that I have a a wonderful fellowship that, um, you know, women that I depend on that talk to me that take me to task that hold me to a standard that um, left to my own devices, I'm not, I can't be trusted to do that. But, um, but, you know, as long as I do this work every day, as the previous speaker was talking about, then I don't have to worry. I don't live in fear. I don't wait for the ax to fall. Um, I remember I was at a store once in the, um, I don't know, in, at like a warm spring day and a woman was there with a, a strapless, sort of uh, casual dress on. And I said, that's pretty, um, you know, um, optimistic. She said, what do you mean? I said, wearing wearing that dress now. She said, why? I don't plan on gaining weight. <laughs> I thought, really? I plan on gaining weight because I always have. And, um, you know, I don't have to worry about that today. I don't have to worry about weight. And in fact, I don't worry about it. I don't even think about it. That's the real miracle. So um, thank you all for being here. Thank you for to everybody who has supported me. Um, with my particular um, issues that I have. Um, everybody, thank you very much, and that I pass. Thank you, Nancy P. Carrie N., it's your turn. Good morning, everyone. This is Terry N. from Sweetsboro, New Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater. Grateful to be on the line. Um, I guess what is important to me here is that he, Dr. Silkworth is saying that he, we need something, I needed something that he couldn't give me. And I, I needed something that a doctor just wasn't able to give me. But um, by the grace of God, you guys, my sponsor, I was blessed to find a wonderful sponsor who shared her experience, strength, and hope and took me through this book and showed me how to put this into practical application and to apply these steps to my life, which in turn afforded me a spiritual awakening, which saved me from the gates of death, (laughs) you know, and that's, um, it's just, it's a miracle. And now there's a lot of words in this reading that kind of jumped out at me, paramount importance and you know, what was already pointed out that, you know, the, the practical application and um, one of my favorite words in this whole reading is privilege. Because, because of this program and by the grace of God, I now have the privilege of sharing my experience, strength, and hope and going through this book with, with other people and you know, the, 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 it said no, the absence of profit motive. Well, the profit that from that experience is invaluable. And it's, it's just amazing. So I'm blessed, I'm grateful, and I'm glad for the opportunity to have shared. Thanks so much. I pass. And thank you, Carrie Ann. For those of us who may have come on the line a little bit later, we are on page XXVII, starting at the third line, the doctor writes through six paragraphs, ending with alcoholics back from the gates of death. 
And if you'd like to share, please say your name just once. It helps me hear everybody. Barbara Mr. P. R. This is Sally A. Anne Marie M. Lawrence Anne Marie. Martin this is Anita Martin. L. <laughs> okay, let me tell you who I got. I'm sorry, I didn't catch very many people. I heard Nessa R. Anne Marie N. And I heard Anita L. Edie M. I Barbara B. Sally A. Okay, great. That's our lineup. Thank you. Let me tell you who I got again, and we'll go from there. I heard Nessa R. Anne Marie N. Barbara B. Anita L. Irene M. And Sally A. So, Nessa R., could you start off for us, please? Hello. Um, did you did you call me? This is Nessa R. Yes, I did. Thank you. Oh, okay, great. I, I was unmuting. Um, good morning, Vision for You. This is uh, Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. And I love this paragraph because this paragraph shed light to a very mangled um, slogan that we hear often in the rooms, and that's the slogan of share it or wear it. And, you know, people, um, you know, um, use it in a way of I need to share my problems with everybody or I'm going to eat over them. Um, so that means I got to, you know, make, you know, a million phone calls and talk to a million people and tell them, you know, how horrible my life is. And I got to come to the meetings and do the exact same thing um, so that I don't eat over my problems. And that's not at all what it means you know the way to not eat over our problems is number one for me um entire abstinence and then work the steps so that i can achieve recovery um and recovery means um, a close connection with god which um makes it um unnecessary for me to compulsively overeat to cope with life so i don't eat over my problems so why it means to share it or where it means to share the solution, not to share the mess, to share the solution with other people who are still struggling, to other people who are still compulsively overeating, in relapse, newcomers, whatever. That's, that's exactly what it means. It means if I don't work st- uh, step 12, you know, trying to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters, I will eat myself again. Um, you know, and I've seen it. I've had, you know, quite a few sponsees on the cusp of recovery. It's so heartbreaking. But then there's so many excuses that are made to um, sharing the message to, to sponsoring people like, I don't have time now, you know, I'm planning a wedding, or I'll do it after I start vacation, or, you know, I don't feel confident enough, what if I say the wrong thing? And those are just uh, smoke screens. And, you know, what I've seen happen is they invariably go back into the food because, you know, um, carrying the message is the only thing that really gives us immunity from, from the disease. Um, and it's just so important. You know, and there's other ways, too, of, of sharing the message. I and mean, it's been shared on this line many times, you know, um, um, we talk about service, uh, which means, you know, in the rooms, you know, I, I show up early, I set up the tables, I set up the chairs, I take up the, uh, the, 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 the we call list, 
um, you know, I, I help put away the chairs, but service really means um, carrying the message. Just putting out tables and chairs is not going to um, keep me um, Time, recovered or, or thank you or help me recovered. Share it or where it means try to carry the message to those who still suffer. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Anne Marie N., it's your turn, followed by Barbara B. Hi, good morning. This is Anne Marie M., as in Maloney, not Baloney, but Maloney. I am a recovering compulsive overeater um, through God's grace. What um, stood out to me, and every time uh, we read this paragraph, cause, because it was pointed out to me, is um, later he, I believe Bill, requested the pri- privilege of being allowed to tell his story to other patients here and with some misgivings we consented. A privilege. Um, And, you know, after reading Bill's story and um, knowing a little bit about him and seeing how self-centered he was, what a change. You know, uh, he says in his story on page 14, while I lay in the hospital bed, the thought came that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what I have been so freely given to me. What a change in attitude um, from him being so selfish and, you know, uh, being out on the golf course and wanting all that money to thinking of other people that others might want what he has. And is, if that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. That surely was the hand of God, I, I believe. I, I believe that surely was the hand of God in changing a person, not only in stopping you know, him from drinking again, but from changing his selfish attitude to a selfless attitude. So whenever I read that, I think you know, it's a privilege for me to just be in this program. And whatever I can pass on, at the point where I'm at in my recovery, um, I I gladly do that. And I am also so grateful for those that have given to me what they've learned and and passed on to me. So this is a privilege for us. I think all of us that are here, you know, are miracles because not everyone reaches this this point of being in recovery or even reaches the, the rooms or even knows about the rooms or is willing. And um, I think if we're on the line today, you know, we're willing to to help uh, ourselves and to help others. So um, that's what really pointed, uh, you know, was pointed out to me this morning um, was that he he requested the privilege. So I will pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Anne-Marie M. Barbara B., it's your turn, followed by Anita L. Barbara B., pass star one to unmute. Thank you. This is Barbara B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. I never tire of hearing and looking and believing and practicing the fact that this is a program with a spiritual base and a practical program of action. And I hear Dr. Silkworth saying that too when he says, we doctors, you know, long for a long time realized that 
some form of moral psychology was of urgent importance, but its application presented difficulties beyond our conception. Well, that was my experience. I was very, very aware that I needed, you know, moral psychology, and as a result, I did a lot of reading, a lot of studying, a lot of courses, a lot of religious practices, but I didn't have the combination of practical application that was developed in the steps. And when I lived through my life with practical application, meaning processes and efforts, and there were many, without a spiritual base, I also fell and went back to active compulsive overeating. So the reminder that it's that combination of a spiritual way of life combined with a practical program of action is wonderful to me and that wonderful solution. Um, so I thank God for Dr. Silkworth coming aboard with this uh, this letter of great, you know, perception, which, as he said, is verified magnificently in the in the in what follows. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara B. Anita L., it's your turn, followed by Irene M. Good morning. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. Um, I wanted to share, because I was really moved hearing these words again, um, back from the gates of death. That's what just struck me so much and um, for the newcomer or the person who hasn't really studied this book may think the gates of death oh my gosh I'm just a compulsive overeater or I'm, I'm just I just love food I'm not dying and that's such a misconception because for me, having this food addiction, this allergy of the body and obsession of the mind, I become a different person when I am into my active illness. And I have been brought back from the gates of death. It was hell. It was, you know, they talk about, Dr. Silkworth talked about um, on the page before, I believe, alcoholic torture. It's it is torture when I am into the food. I'm either thinking about food, where I can get it, when I can eat it, where I can buy it, where I can hide it, when will my husband go to sleep so I can finally be open to eat it without feeling shame because I know that it's wrong for me. All those horrors um that go along with my addiction and to be freed of that. Oh my gosh, you guys, it's beyond words to live a free woman, not to be controlled by food. I can walk anywhere and know that I can I can get what I need with my with my abstinent food. Uh I can go to pretty much any restaurant. I don't fear it at all when uh, we're going out because there's something that I can always eat. And, you know, I don't resent the fact anymore that there are things there that I can't eat. 
and uh, I used to want those things. And I've been on cruises, coming home abstinent. Um, I remember sitting at the table, and when people would order the desserts, I would look at them when they were uh, the desserts were brought back as a work of art, and not any conception in my mind of wanting to eat it, but just admiring the craftsmanship of the chefs who prepared it. But um, okay, thank you. So I just want to share that the recovery is beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you so much, and have a beautiful day. Thank you, Anita L. Irini M., it's your turn, followed by Sally A. Thank you so much, Lynn, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God, always giving credit where credit is due. There's no competition with God and how he uses people to save us. So here's a doctor who's head of the oldest hospital in the country, and he's dealing with addicts. He's putting his reputation on the line for something he truly believes and goes against all hospital rules. He's being guided without even him realizing what's happening to him. So he has such pleasure and with such honor and with such enthusiasm in supporting the content in this book that states is most important and is written in such mastery details. It is the knowledge, the truth, the wisdom, the skill, and mostly the experience that resonates with other addicts and jumps off these pages and comes alive in our hearts. It's the identification from one alcoholic talking to another alcoholic that has the power of God's hand that pulled them back from the gates of of death. Dr. Silkworth admitted humbly and he that he witnessed that doctors of medicine and science could not could not help alcoholics that they once and they weren't um, equipped to help them stay sober. So it was beyond their conception, but instead it was some form of moral psychology, a spiritual awakening. It's that relationship with God that doctors couldn't compete with the hand of God. He witnessed alcoholics have the obsession of the mind lifted. It expelled and had a transformation, a personality change through implementing a program of recovery and was then governed by spiritual principles. So what he witnessed, his theory that alcoholics had an allergy of the body, once picking up the drink, then they lost that choice to stay stopped. And this has been proven today scientifically. This is divinely inspired by God. I had to meet God halfway and to do my part, which was to separate and disconnect myself from my little gods, which are all the trigger foods and behaviors, and then get connected with my fellows for guidance through the steps that led to God, capital G, that would lift the obsession of the mind and replace it with peace and serenity. Thank you, God, for rewiring my mind and softening my heart and giving me a life Beyond my imagination, keeping this peaceful state of being, I continue to live in the steps and carry the message and practice these principles 
and all of my affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irene M. and Sally A. It's your turn. Hi, good morning. This is Sally A. from New Jersey. Happy New Year, everyone. Um, What I have to share is, first of all, I am so glad that they put the doctor's opinion in the beginning of the book. A sponsor of mine had told me that there's a reason that it it has to be um, in the beginning because uh, most addicts wouldn't buy it if if, uh, it was just went right into the spiritual stuff. It was kind of like the scientific stuff, the proof of the pudding no pun intended, of you not or me not being able to have my alcoholic foods for this reason about the allergy. Um, so I think it sold better that way, and I'm glad it did because it certainly sold me. And um, I was at the hospital yesterday. I just wanted to share that my brother is a drug addict. He has been one for 20 years in and out of recovery, and he was my Ebby that brought me to the rooms, and um, it was such a, a – a beautiful, perfect moment last night. You know, he's in the ICU. He was in the ICU for the past two days. He had overdosed. And by the grace of God, he's still alive. And he came to last night, and I got a chance to talk to him at his bedside. Literally, it, it was almost like the picture of the two men in the hospital. Was I think it was Bill Dotson. Kind of looked similar to that, you know, but it was just me and him. And I had to, I had the privilege of sharing with him my recovery and what I had been doing. And it wasn't, if it hadn't been for him, I wouldn't be in the state that I'm in now. And I, I gave him my experience, strength and hope, as he did me, you know, seven, eight years ago. Um, so there's this powerful, powerful portion of this program that is all about my higher power working through me. Because had it not been through the program, I would have never you know, I wouldn't have known anything about him, first of all. And second of all, I wouldn't have been able to be there for him um, in body, mind, and spirit. That's all I have to share. Thank you. Thank you, Sally A. We have time for two more shares. Who would like that spot? This is Raquel. Raquel Okay, great. Thank you. We've got Raquel H. Sorry, Raquel E. and Melissa C. Please go ahead, Raquel. Yes, thank you so much for this incredible meeting. Thank you, everybody on the line. Eileen, thank you for your service. Wow, wow. It's just, it blows the mind. It blows my mind, whatever I have left of it, that we're reading here something from 1939. And then I go into the into the um, language of the heart when when Dr. Jung is writing back to Bill. Bill contacted him when after 1961, January 30th, 1961. And what what Dr. Silkworth was not able to say in these words exactly the way our own Harlan said it at the beginning, you know that he would have changed the the moral psychology to spiritual, but but who spoke that kind of language in those days? Everybody was so excited that man is the center of the universe instead of God, which was looked to everybody like superstition. So here, this is, I instead of my sharing will be to read these incredible words to you. Dr. Jung says about Roland Hazard, what he wasn't able to say to Roland Hazard, but he's saying it now to Bill, that his craving for alcohol was the equivalent on a low level of the spiritual thirst of our being for wholeness. 
expressed in medieval language the union with God. And then one paragraph down from there, he goes, I'm strongly convinced that the evil principle prevailing in this world leads the unrecognized spiritual need into perdition. I hope I'm saying that word correctly. If it is not counteracted either by real religious insight or by the protective role of human community, that's what you are for me and that's what we are for each other. An ordinary man not protected by an action from above and isolated in society cannot resist, resist the power of evil, which is called very earthly. Well, he says the devil, but the use of such words aroused so many mistakes that one can only keep aloof from them as much as possible because people didn't talk that way. And then at the end he says, why do you think that this Latin word, spiritus and spirit, are the same, that, that the spirit, which is alcohol, and the spiritus is, is saying the helpful formula, therefore, yes, I will, I, I'm wrapping up, is spiritus contra spiritum. In other words, the, the spirit is the only one that God gave us with which, with his help, we can conquer the power of self-destruction. Because all these manifestations, food, alcohol, drugs, whatever, all the other addictive program, programs that, spur, that sprouted out I'm of AA. Yeah, that's what they are. So thank you very much for letting me share. I think this is very exciting. I'm sorry I couldn't stop on that. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Raquel E. And Melissa C., you have two minutes, so please go ahead. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York, and thank you, Lynn, for your service. Thank God. Thank you, everybody. Um, you know, so this really is a privilege, and you can hear it um, by the enthusiasm of people that are, like, dying to, to, to share it because, um, because it works, because I believe in the power that pulled me back from the gates of death. And and, and I can hear it in everybody that has consistently helped me and, and continue to help me, that we have been pulled back from the gates of death, and there's nothing melodramatic about it. You know, for me, it was a physical, I was physically dying, you know, and, and I could not pull myself back. I needed a power greater than myself. And, you know, the other thing that I, I really gets me excited is the fact that we can rely on anything they say about themselves. I mean, we're talking, you know, he was talking about, about gutter trunks, you know, and, and for me, um, I could not, I could not be honest. I didn't know what honest was. I, I thought I was honest, but I had no ability to be honest. And yet, you know, I know that today you can rely on anything I say about myself, um, you know, because, um, because there's no profit motive here. There is no, there's no, you know, nobody's making a commission. Nobody's getting a kickback. Um, we do it because we believe in it because I have had a, a spiritual awakening, and, and it's the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me, you know. And, and I, I, 
I'm more than enthusiastic to share it because I want it for others as well. I know that it's possible. Thank you so much, and um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C., and thank you to everyone who shared and to Team Friday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share idea for today, Friday, January the 4th, 2019, is 12382. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Barbara E. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.